Welcome to this session of our Practical Christianity series. We'll be discussing one of the topics that Jesus spent the most time teaching on. He is after our hearts and he knows the impact that money has on it. And I think that was the reason why he spent so much time talking about it. Money can be a, a wonderful tool for good. It can be a blessing to us. We can use it to bless, but it can also destroy our hearts and our devotion to God. Scripture says that um, we serve one of two masters, either God or money. And so my first question to you today is, do you work for God or do you work for money? When, when you do what you do with your life, uh, especially maybe thinking about your eight to five in your heart, is that for money or is that for God? And sometimes we get those things so confused and the world teaches us many things that often leaves the average Christian believing that they're actually working for money and not for God primarily. So can you answer that question? Do you do what you do to the glory of God and to glorify God? Or do you do what you do to earn money? Question number one. Question number two. Should God come to you right now and ask you to give away everything that you own? Give up all the money and possessions that you have right now. Would you be... Would, would you be excited and ready to do that? Or um, would it make your head spin and make you slightly nauseous and make you think that you really don't think you're able to do it? Because if so, then your following of Jesus um, might be highly compromised. And you might uh, need to take a moment to examine your heart with me this day. I don't want you to take this lightly. I believe it's a great problem in the church. It's always been... Jesus knew this, and I want us to take this seriously today as we, as we evaluate our hearts. Are we working to earn, or are we working to glorify God? And if you would ask right now, are you so ready to give away everything that you have? I'll pray for us, and then we'll continue. Father, our good Father, would you minister to our hearts today? Would you reveal truth to us today? Your will in our hearts, I pray, and through what I say, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read for us from Mark 10, verse 17 to 22. As he was setting out on a journey, this is Jesus, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud and honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth. <laughs> now, there's not many of us that can say that we have kept all these commandments perfectly from our youth until now. And neither do I think that this young man was able to say that. Um, so we read a bit of self-righteousness in him and even Jesus' first answer to him calling him good teacher, you read into this that Jesus is sensing that this guy's got a little bit of self-righteousness going, looking to justify himself 
um, and using this great teacher to justify him. But then Jesus looked at him and it says that Jesus showed love to him. Other translations say Jesus loved him. Jesus showed love to him and said to him, and maybe Jesus wants to love you today by saying this to you. Can you receive this right now? One thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Scripture shows us things like this um, to prepare us for following Jesus. We can read things like this and know that Jesus asked his disciples to leave their nets, their way of generating income, their way of working for money, to leave it and follow him and trust him. Like Matthew 6 says, seek first the kingdom and I'll look after your needs. He, he asked his disciples to do that. And here he's asking this guy as well and saying, loving him, saying, one thing you let go and sell everything, give away everything you have and come and follow me. And um, we should read this and be in a place where we can evaluate our hearts when it comes to money and material possessions. And when we do realize that this is a difficult thing for us, if he were to ask us right now, then there are things that we might need to wrestle with. And if there's only two gods, either God or money, then we might have a serious problem um, if this is not something that we sort out with him as a matter of urgency. So why we might struggle with a command like this? A few things I want to run us through today. There might be a few underlying things that makes this really difficult and that you might need ministry for, you might need to repent of before God, or you might just have to cross um, a line in your mind and put out your faith um, to become free and to be set free. Now, the first thing that we might struggle with when hearing a command like this is the fact that we think what we own is actually ours. So it says that this man was dismayed because he had he owned many things. But in Psalm 24 verse 1, for instance, we read that the earth is the Lord's, the world, and those who dwell therein. Everything, the cattle on a thousand hills, belong to God. So everything is His, not ours to start with. It's not yours. What, what you have right now, your ability to have earned what you have right now comes from God, and what is given comes from Him as well. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light, Scripture says. So starting point, not ours, but His. 10% is not his. We give 10% to show our hearts as a first fruit that this is actually all God's. And after the 10% is given, the 90% is then stewarded as it belongs to him. So if it is his, he can ask it at any time and we should be ready to give it. You can't steward my money. You, you can't be an investment manager holding my funds. And the moment I ask it, you say, no, 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 no. I, I've been wanting to use this and unfortunately I can't release this. The investment manager has to let it go because it's not his. And in that same way, God owns everything um, and we should be willing to let it go at any stage. And whatever we have, we should steward 
because it is his and as if it is his. So if we steward someone else's money, um, you guys who work corporately, you would know that if we're working with someone else's money, well, there needs to be a budget that whoever's the owner of this, whoever is the steward above you, must approve this budget. <laughs> Every line item must be approved by whoever finally owns this because we can't make those decisions on our own. So if we are stewards and everything belongs to God, it is so important that you have a budget. Just something that lists your income, the expenses you have, line items you, you take to God and say, God, is this the way that you want me to spend my money? And it's not only for your personal management of finances, but it's because you are managing someone else's finances that you need to have an approved budget. Point number one, it's not yours, so don't hold on to it. Point number two is we might struggle with the orphan spirit. We might struggle with a fear of lack. We might be in a mind space where we think, hey, but who will provide for me if I don't provide? Who's going to look after me when I'm old? Who's, who's going to look after my children when, when, when they're big? And um, what's going to happen to me if something goes wrong? Those things are fear invoked thoughts. So your financial planner would most often come to you and he invokes fear. He or she would invoke fear and say, hey, what about this scenario? What about this situation? If that would happen, would you be able to provide for yourself? But we have got a father in heaven who tells us, Matthew 6, verse 25 to 33, that we should not worry about what we will eat or what we will drink, but that we should seek the kingdom of God and he will look after us. Can you, can you decide in your heart to believe that right now and to let go of the fear of lack? Now, I know it's not that easy. It's easier said than done. Um, uh, scripture says that the love of God, the perfect love of God, casts out all so if this is a struggle for you, if you have a fear of lack, of not having enough or not being able to provide enough, go to God and ask Him for a love encounter. Ask the Father to encounter you with His love. Come to me for ministry. Come to someone else for ministry that we can pray with you and journey with you because we need to get this thing out of our hearts. Because it can actually, as you can see, um, come to a point where God asks of us to surrender everything, but because of our fear of lack, we can't do it, and we actually are not disqualified from following Him. So it might be a fear of lack. It might be because we believe things actually belong to us. The third thing is a desire to be rich, a desire to hoard, a desire to, to have treasure on earth rather than treasure in heaven. Scripture says, do not gather for yourself treasure on earth. Most Christians try to gather for themselves treasure on earth. Um, the desire to have more, to be rich. If I'd ask you, do you want to be rich? Unfortunately, my um, um, experience tells me that most Christians answer with an emphatic yes. But there is, unfortunately, to that a scripture in 1 Timothy 6 verse 9 that says that if we have food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
the desire for riches plunges us into destruction. It tempts us and plunges us into destruction. Many of us have to repent of wanting to be rich. A lot of us even want to be rich because we also want to use it for good. And we've listened to a few prosperity teachings that we kind of like and kind of think maybe God's into this. He made David and Solomon rich and maybe he can make me rich as well. But it's clear that if we desire riches, that it can and probably will ruin our life. The scripture continues and says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, eager for money. Are you eager for money? Have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You see, we can't be eager for money and fully follow the way of faith. If you're eager for money, you see there's a wandering away from faith and you pierce yourself with many griefs. And then the encouragement is, but you, O man of God, Flee from these things. Flee from them. Flee from trying to accumulate treasures on earth and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Do you, when you hear that you should pursue righteousness, godliness, and faith, does that make you as excited as when I say pursue to have a hundred million rand in your bank account? Which one would you want more, godliness or money? I want you to be honest about that because a lot of us have, have, have to come to repentance about this. So the issue can be that we desire to be rich. That's why we won't be ready to give it all away. The other thing is that we don't understand the way that God spells love. He doesn't spell love L-O-V-E, but he spells love G-I. V-E, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gives, that's how he loves. And he calls us to love in the same way, by giving. So giving generously is one of the things that Richard Foster, for one, says will free us from this need to hold, this need to withhold, this want to protect what we have. So giving generously might be the next key that we have to look into. Are we giving generously? For God loves a cheerful giver. It's important to say God loves a cheerful giver. And while speaking about giving, saying that they should never be forced giving. The scripture is clear about the fact that no one should be forced to give. So as a church, whatever you would ever sow into any one of our accounts, there would never be a requirement for you to do that, except if you are paying for a specific course or specific mission. No one will ever check up on a love offering, a tithe or an arm that you give to the church. No one would ever ask you, why aren't you giving? That's a space where your accountability partner should be there and should be asking you those questions. But how do we give? Now, we see three things in Scripture, and I'm going to speak about them. Uh, the, one is, the one is tithing, the one is offering, and the one is alms. Just an easy way to think about giving. Tithing is where we give 10% of our gross income to the non-income, to the non-income generating institution of 
God. We see all throughout Scripture, from Abraham, Moses, to Jesus mentioning it, that there's this model of giving as a sign of worship and surrender 10% to God. And it makes a lot of sense over and above the fact that it's worship unto God, that it's a model we find in Scripture, um, we see that it actually helps a local church to function. A local church is the vehicle that God has, has designed and has decided that He will flow through on this earth and His plan of redemption is work through the local church. And so by doing that, by checking our hearts, by worshiping God and allocating that money to a local church, we're actually funding the non-income generating institution through which God brings His redemption to this world. So the whole thing is just God's order and it works beautifully. So that is that is tithing, that's what we believe on it, and our church works because of that and because of the generous giving and tithing of so many of you. Then another way of our giving is what's called alms giving. Alms giving is giving to the to the poor, to those who do not have. And, We've got a, a mandate from Scripture to give to those who do not have, especially those within the household of faith who lack. It's also clear from Scripture that we need to verify that they are actually poor. It says that those who do not want to work shall not eat. And it speaks about widows who's, who are also do not want to work, but then say, I'm a widow, you must help me, that we shouldn't help. Those We shouldn't help those that could help themselves, but they really don't want to work. Um, so we should verify um, who is really poor and who should really be helped. Um, almsgiving is giving over and above the 10% of our tithe to verifiable poor people, first within our midst and then also more broadly than that. I found very practically that giving to our domestic worker or our or the nanny we have more than what is required is a very is a very good way of giving a very healthy way of giving into a channel you can trust and that actually makes a big in, a big impact. Also, if you want to give to the poor, um, the church has an account we call BodyServe. That's an account that we use to give into verifiable needs, and it is used very well. You could give into that as well. It's important that whatever we give, that we always try, especially if it's someone we have a relationship with, a close relationship with, that we don't have a working relationship with, that we try to make sure that they don't know that the money is coming from the scripture says that our left hand shouldn't know what our right hand is doing. And our body serve account helps a lot for that. Um, finally, um, offerings is the last way of giving. So offerings is for special projects like missions or buying buildings or outreaches we plan or stuff like that, um, enlarging the kids' church area or whatever it might be, special projects that is asked for, um, we, we call that offering. So giving generously things we see, tithing, alms, and offerings um, as ways in which we do this. So getting very practical in terms of giving generously. Now, 
some other things that might cause us to not be ready to give up everything right now um, are things like investments and insurance, isn't it? So because we've got investments that we need to keep on giving into so that it can one day pay out what we want or we set up a specific plan for that, that can often withhold us from being ready to give away everything we have, especially because we've got a desire for the outcome of that thing. Now, investments can be a good thing if God so led you, if God set it, if God set it up. Remember, it's his money, his plan. So if he set it up for his purpose, then you keep on doing that. But it's not wisdom per se to invest for the sake of investing because your financial manager said so. That's often fear-based and worldly wisdom. So as God leads, it might be a good idea to invest, but it might be a big stumbling block in um, because obviously that's the way that we gather um, earthly treasures to ourselves. Insurance is another thing. If I would give up everything, then it means I don't have medical insurance. I don't have insurance on my vehicle. What would happen to me if something would happen? That is a fear response as well. And if our father said he'd look after us, then he would. He will look after us. And we should work on that um, to check that there is no fear guiding decisions on insurance and also do that as God leads. It is not wisdom per se to have insurance. It is wise to follow the leading of God in that and to see where he leads you, where he leads you into. So we've laid out a few things that um, we believe might cause us to struggle with a command like give up everything that you have. I do believe responding to a command like that is actually uh, responding to the issue that is within our hearts because it's easy to start giving a little bit away or to start or to start budgeting a little bit better, to do something small on your finances might be easy. But if, if the real thing is asked of us, then we are where are we at? That's an honest evaluation. And so if that is asked, we said firstly, um, do you see it as yours or do you recognize it as God's? Um, do you maybe have a fear of lack that you have to work through, or do you have a desire to be rich that's actually going to plunge you into destruction? Maybe you don't understand adequately that God requires of us and um, to give generously and that he loves it when we do. It even says that um, if we are generous to the poor, then we're lending to God and he will repay us. Um, so giving generously, many of us might not want might not be wanting to give anything generously and therefore money's got a great hold on our lives. And then also because we have investments, because we have insurance, um, we might find it really hard because those things, many of them come by worldly wisdom or fear. Um, and oftentimes even great, fantastic Christians have these things in place and when you really go delve deep into where it comes from, then that investment, that insurance comes from a worldly place and not as God leads, not as God showed them because there's no clear instruction in scripture on that. So it's interesting, I mean, if, if Christians would have um, a lot of investments and insurance, but when it comes to giving generously, um, there is um, a great deficiency 
in allowing the Word of God to speak to their hearts on that, while the Word of God says nothing or very little about investments and insurance while that's being, um, that's being done to a great extent in their hearts. So, do you struggle with a fear of lack? Do you desire to be rich? Do you give generously? Do you have a God-approved budget? And do you make your financial decisions alone? Um, or do you present them to God and ask for His lead? And are you ready today to say, Jesus, all I have is yours, and you can have it whenever you want? Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would use this message to taste our hearts. It might be a very difficult one for many of us. Some of us might even have great offense in our hearts when it comes to this. I pray that you would take your hand and put it into our hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would heal us and you would deliver us from this hold that money has over so many of us. You would set us free by your love. In Jesus' name, amen.